we're excited this morning because we are working our way through the Sermon on the Mount. We're, we're calling this series the Upside Down Kingdom. Uh, and when I say we're working our way through the series, we're on week two. So we're like two verses in. So we're, we're getting. So if you're new, this is a perfect time to join in. You're, you're right on track with the rest of us. But we're, we're talking about this idea of what, what does the kingdom look like? And, and so as, as we get started, though, this morning, I, I have to say, and it's kind of fun as I was walking in, and I noticed a handful of, of college students who are back in town after a summer away, and it's good to see you guys. And driving around this week, I, you know, you see all the college students moving back into town, and it's kind of fun, and it just made me think back to uh, when I first came to Dubuque. And... Um, I remember like, I came from Washington State, so I drove 25 hours to get here, and I pull into Dubuque, and I pull up in front of the the residence hall, and I move, and I get settled into the college campus, and I quickly realized after a short time here that there's something different about Dubuque, right? It's different than what I knew, right? And at first, everything seems strange and weird. They, people just, people were different. The community was different. There's this thing called humidity here. That one I didn't like. The other stuff wasn't so bad. But it was just everything was different. Everything felt strange. And and even though, like, I mean, it's it's still the U.S., right? It's not that different. But it's just everything was different. And now, after spending over half my life here, like, it's just, it's normal. Right? This is This is what I know. But it's interesting because like this last spring, Emily and I got to fly out to uh, Spokane to, to see my family and my, my nephew got married. So we got to go to his wedding and see all my siblings and it was really good. But it was interesting because you walk into that airport and the moment you land in the Pacific Northwest, you know that you're in the Pacific Northwest and it's just different, right? Everybody drives a Subaru. There's like, everybody's wearing like North Face or Columbia gear. They're running to REI on their lunch break. And everybody's got like, plays disc golf and has mountain bikes or kayaks or something, right? Everybody's just, it's different and you can feel it. Right? That's true wherever you go, right? You go to a different place and it's, places are different. Even within, even within Dubuque, right? I spent all my college years at the University of Dubuque and I knew what it was like, but you go to a different college and it's different. It's not right or wrong. I mean, UD's better. I'm sorry. That's my bias, right? No, I just made enemies with a bunch of people. It's okay. I mean, it's, it's different. Every place has its own vibe, its own feel. And so today what we're going to look at is as we start off on this Sermon on the Mount, we, we haven't even got to the point where Jesus starts talking yet. Right? But as he starts talking, he starts describing what this upside-down kingdom's all about. That's what we're going to start looking at today. Because we have to remember, this Sermon on the Mount comes right at the beginning of, of Matthew chapter 5. So at this point, Jesus has started to gather some people, right? People are starting to follow him because he's, he's started to do some teaching. He's performed some miracles, so crowds are showing up. And the Sermon on the Mount really is, this is Jesus' first big speech. It's his first chance to kind of launch his his earthly ministry. Here's his plan for how things are going to roll out. Here's his, his first thing. And we, and we know how this works, right? Because we've all experienced it. We've seen people, leaders kind of rise up in power and authority. And we've, we've read through history books. We know how this works, right? A leader starts to gain popularity, gain a crowd, a following. 
and people start to kind of think maybe this person's worth following. Maybe this person's going somewhere and I want to join in. I want to be on their team. I want to follow them. And then comes the moment when the leader kind of shows their cards. Here's their big ask. Here's their big plan. And we know the way it works, right? We've seen it time and time again. It gets to that point. People are falling. And then the leader like says, okay, this is what I want. I want, and normally it's the same. It's, it's kind of a, a small group of things that they're after. They're after like power, money, riches, authority, something, right? Influence. That's what, that's what leaders want. And so here comes Jesus, right? He's starting to gain a crowd. People are starting to follow him. And here he is. The crowds gather. So he sits down on the mountain and he starts to teach. And what does he talk about? He flips that whole script upside down, right? In his moment to launch his ministry, he tells people how everything's going to be different. How his kingdom is going to be different. That's what we're going to look at today. Is, well, what is this? As Jesus describes what his ministry is like, what his kingdom is like, this upside down kingdom, what is, what's different about it? And we have to keep in mind too, this isn't just, Jesus being like wishful thinking, like, oh, wouldn't it be nice if when I'm in charge, I hope everybody treats each other nicely like this. Or wouldn't it, wouldn't it be great if the world just worked differently and people were kind to each other and we didn't have wars and fighting? Wouldn't that be nice? No, when Jesus talks, again, the way the, the Sermon on the Mount wraps up in Matthew 7, 20 and 29, it, it says that, that everybody was amazed at Jesus' teaching. And why were they amazed? They were amazed because he spoke as someone who had authority. Jesus didn't just say, well, hopefully someday things will be like this. He said, this is what my kingdom is like. This is the way it works. And it's different than the world kingdom. Everything is flipped on its head. And this kingdom isn't just something that hopefully will come one day. It's now. Jesus' kingdom, the upside-down kingdom, is, is right now beginning among his, all of his followers. Like, this is the way things will be and things are. And it's meant to grow up right alongside of the world kingdom. And the defining characteristics of this kingdom, the marks of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, the marks of the upside-down kingdom citizens. This is what we're going to look at. So we're going to read in Matthew chapter 5. So if you've got your Bibles, you can turn there. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, there's some in the chairs in front of you. You can grab those as well. But we're going to read Matthew chapter 5, verses 3 through 12. And you might recognize this. You might have heard it before. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you, against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's just pray for a moment. 
Father, thank you for your word. Thank you that your word is truth. And as you spoke to the crowds gathered there, God, you speak in the same way to us. And so, Jesus, that's our prayer today, that, that we would hear you today. That you would use my words, but more importantly, that your words would be proclaimed, that we would understand more of who you are and your love for us and what it means for us to follow you. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. All right, so this this start of the Sermon on the Mount, you guys probably have recognized it. You maybe heard it a, a time or two. Right? We call it the Beatitudes. Right? This familiar passage, the Beatitudes are, are the, this list of, of statements. And, and Beatitudes, right? that's one of those words that... Is, it's, it's a churchy word, right? It's an insider term that maybe you've heard it before, but what does it mean? Right? What, what are Beatitudes? Beatitudes, it's, it's, not a, it's not a Bible word, right? It's not found in the Bible. It's, it's actually a Latin word. So when the Bible is translated into Latin, the, the word uh, in Latin is beatus. And so then it just kind of, this whole passage is all these blessed are, blessed are, blessed are. And so it kind of just picked up the, the phrase Beatitudes, it's, it's one of the, the things that, that we say, right? That here are all these things, they, these beatitudes, these, these blessing statements. And so we want to talk a little bit about this because we have to make sure that, that not only do we understand that beatitudes mean blessing, and that's why if, if your Bible's like mine and it's broken up, it's got that little heading and it says beatitudes. Well, that's what it means. It just means these blessing statements. But we got to be careful, too, because now, now that we've got that piece, we also have to make sure that, that we understand the word because words have different meanings throughout the ages, right? Or through culture. I, we joke about my, my brother-in-law who we got to see uh, back in the spring. He's from England. And we kind of laugh as we spend time together because there's all these words that we just use differently, right? And we have to make sure we understand because really comical things can happen if we don't listen carefully, right? Because if I'm looking for my if keys or something, and he's like, oh, I tossed them in the boot. And so I go and look, and I'm digging through all the shoes by the front door, but he's like, they're in the trunk, right? Because that's the boot. Like, it's just, it's simple, right? It's comical because it's silly. And yet understanding the word, and blessed is one of those words that we have to be careful with, right? Because our culture Right? Especially our like American Christian culture is like taking that word and we run wild with it, right? Because what does it mean to be blessed? Well, I've been blessed with uh, an incredible life, right? I've got a great wife and great kids and we've got a good house and lots of, we've got everything we need. I'm blessed, right? Or I walk into Chick-fil-A and somebody's like, hey, I bought your meal for you. I'm like, hashtag blessed, Right? Like, we've just kind of created this culture around this word that it just means, like, good things happen to me, therefore I'm blessed. Right? And yes, are those things good? Yes. I am very thankful and I'm happy that, that I've got a great family and we've got a, a wonderful place to live. And yes, anytime people buy me food, I'm happy and blessed. That is true. Right? But, but that's not what blessed means. Because blessed... It, it does mean happy, but not just simply the emotion, right? I'm happy when good things happen to me, or I'm, I'm happy because everything's working out the way I want it to. When, when the Bible is using blessed here, the Greek word that it's coming from, it, it's, it's this talking about the satisfaction, 
or this inner contentment that has nothing to do with, with the, the way life is working out. Right? That's why Paul in Philippians can talk about the fact that he's, I've learned to be content no matter what. In good and bad, with, with, with lots or little, I can be content. Because he understands that he's, his happiness isn't derived from the things of this world. So we have to make sure that we understand that, right? That the blessed person is someone who has the Holy Spirit work within them. I understand who I am and what's going on in my life. And, and I am blessed because of who God is and what he's done. This is my identity. It's an identity thing, not a feeling thing. And so understanding that, it helps us grasp this whole list, right? Because we look at the Beatitudes and we kind of work our way through and we have to recognize that this isn't this transactional list that we work our way through, right? This isn't a transactional list of do these things and good things happen to you, right? Here's the list of, here's my to-do list, right? Okay, so I'm a follower of Jesus. Here's my to-do list. I need to be poor in spirit. I need to be, I need to mourn. I need to make, I need to do those things. Let me work hard on that, right? Let me just pray. I need to mourn. So let me just, this afternoon at three, I'm going to spend some time crying because I need to do that. And if I do that, then good things are going to happen to me. Here's this transactional to-do list that God has given me. That's not what the Beatitudes are. This is a, a list of qualities or characteristics that are true of those who are blessed. The Beatitudes are a list of character traits that Jesus says, this is the way things work in my kingdom. These are the values. These are the principles. This is, this is what I am, I am setting in place. And those who are part of my kingdom, this is, this is what they are like. This is the descriptor of who they are and what their, their values are. This is the values that kingdom citizens live by. Now, I have to recognize that because as we talk about that, okay, well, that's true. And I say, well, I'm a, I'm a follower of Jesus. Does this list match my life? And if I'm honest, I can sit there with like, well, maybe, no, 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 maybe, right? And so how do we get to this place? We're like, well, if this is the, the values, this is the character traits of the kingdom citizens, and I'm, a, I'm trying to be a kingdom citizen, I'm a follower of Jesus, why doesn't this match up? But it's really easy for me to then just take it as this to-do list, right? Well, here's all the things I need to start working on. I need to start chipping away at these things. That's why as a church, we often talk about this idea. We, you've probably heard us say it. If, you, if you're new, you look, open up our website or our welcome book, you'll see it right away. It's on the wall. We talk about connect, grow, and serve. Right? These practical steps in our walk with Jesus. We learn to be followers of Jesus. We learn to live as kingdom citizens, and, that we connect with God in worship, and we grow in relationship with one another through Jesus, and, and we serve others through the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? It's this, these practical steps that we work on. It's not just this one, two, three, done, but it's this ongoing process of discipleship, right? Because we're being transformed into his image. As followers of Jesus, that is our goal is to reflect Christ, to be transformed into his image, to become more and more like Jesus and reflect the values of the kingdom citizens. And it is and it isn't an instantaneous thing. Right? It is because the moment I come to that point of surrender and say, Jesus, I trust that you are God and that I'm a sinner and yet you made a way for me. You died in my place. Jesus, I trust you and I want to follow you. That instantaneously we are made followers of Jesus, that we are, are made alive in Christ. 
and we are citizens of the kingdom of God. And yet it isn't in the sense that, man, I've got a lifetime of work chasing after Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is at work in me, continually refining me and shipping away the pieces in me that don't measure up, that don't match Jesus, and, and empowering me to, to live the way that he has called me to live. And it's a lifetime of obedience. Because we were made to, to be displayed. We were made to reflect Jesus. We were made to live as citizens of this upside-down kingdom in the midst of a world kingdom, and it's supposed to look different. And so we're going to spend some time just really quickly looking at, at each of these kingdom citizen qualities, right? the, the character traits of these citizens, the marks of a kingdom citizen. And you might be looking at me like, man, but we're like halfway done and we haven't started yet. And you're right. And we've been looking at this. We've been planning for the series. I'm like, we're going to try to, we're, we're cramming in the, the Beatitudes in one day. And normally, like, lots of people do this like as a sermon series over like eight or ten weeks. And we're doing it in one day. So buckle up and we're going to fly through. But here's the other thing is in the in sermon, guys, or in life groups, man, dig into this more. There's no way we can wrestle with each of these quickly. We're going to try to get to the heart of it. But I encourage you to, to just continue as we follow after Jesus to, to look at his word. And what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does it mean for us to be these things? All right, so here we go. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. To be poor in spirit, this idea of poor, we understand poor, right? We know what poor looks like, and but poor in spirit is, is clearly, this is upside down. Like, everything in life tells me to, that I want to not be poor, right? I know I want to be able to be have security. I want to be able to have the things that I need and want, and so poor doesn't measure up with that, and yet we're called to be poor in spirit. And the word poor here doesn't just mean poor, it means poor, Right? The idea of being bankrupt, it's spiritually bankrupt. Right, The idea that I'm bankrupt means I have nothing, I have no assets, I have nothing. In, in Jesus' day, the, the poor were these beggars who their only hope was to sit outside of a city or outside a gate or alongside a road and beg people in the hopes that they would get something that would be enough for them to survive that day in order that they would be alive the next day to do the same thing completely and utterly dependent on others because they have nothing. They're bankrupt. And so blessed are those who are poor in spirit, who are spiritually bankrupt, this realization that I have nothing to offer. Right? Spiritually, I have nothing. I, I, I can fall into the trap of just trying to build up this resume of righteousness. I've done enough good things, and I can compare myself to, to you guys and be like, oh, yeah, Man, that guy's good. I need to get, work harder and be more like him. But I've got them beat, right? I'm I'm doing better than I'm 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 playing the curve game, right? I just got to be on the good side of the curve, and I'm good. Like no, I'm bankrupt. I have nothing. I have no spiritual assets. Without Jesus, I am hopeless. I am completely dependent on His divine grace. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Again, this isn't just like, 
It's Sunday. I need to make sure I cry at least once a day because I'm mourning. Right? No, it's this idea that as I recognize my spiritual bankruptcy, I recognize that the best that I have to offer is rags, is garbage. And I recognize and I see my sin as I compare myself to a holy God. And I mourn over my sin. And not only do I mourn over my sin, but then I start to, to grieve for the sin in the world around me and for others because I see the hurt and I see the separation from a holy God and sin causes me to mourn. And I'm broken over my sin. But I can find comfort because I know that that sin is forgiven. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Again, a, a character trait of the, of the upside-down kingdom that, that, that doesn't fly in our world kingdom, right? Meek or weak, <laughs> right? We, we made fortune for, favors the brave and the bold and those who are willing to take life by the horn, right? That's the way our world works, that we're going we're gonna to strive and, and, and hard work and determination and, and all of that is, is rewarded. But, but Jesus says, no, in my kingdom, the meek, will inherit. And meek doesn't mean weak. Right? Me, meekness is, is, is strength under control. It's this willingness to yield to God. And we see that exemplified by, by Jesus as you read the account in Philippians chapter 2. Jesus, although he was God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but humbled himself. And so the meek are those who humble themselves because they understand who God is and who they are in relationship to God. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake, for they will be filled. Hey, we understand hunger. We understand thirst, right? And granted, we, we live in a, in a culture where, man, in, in the U.S., we are blessed, right? We are. We, we don't deal with hunger like those around the world, but, but even... With that being said, we've all experienced that, right? We, we've been to those places where, man, I'm just starving. I've been working all day. I didn't get a good lunch. And I'm just, man, I, I know what it's like to hunger. Or I know what it's like to thirst. And I'm just, I, I'm focused on that. And, and what this is, those who hunger and thirst to know God's will, it's this idea of this inter, intense yearning or longing to know God and what his purpose is. That's the, that's the thing that drives me, this desire that, that I, the only thing that will satisfy it is, is to know God's will. Not my own desires, but for God's desires. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Right? We can extend mercy, we can show mercy because, and only because we have received mercy. And this idea that, that I am deserving of God's justice, but he extended mercy to me. I have experienced the mercy of God. I have, I have not received what I justly deserved. And because of that, it allows me in relationship with others to extend mercy. Again, that's not the way the world works. The world, man, it's take advantage of any chance you get to put people in their place. It's take advantage in any way you can. And yet we are called God's kingdom is a kingdom that, that has values mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Right? We think of purity, we think of this like untouched perfection, and yet when we're talking about purity of heart, we're talking about this solitary focus. 
pure in heart, have a singular focus. They remove everything that's contrary to Christ. It's laser focused on one thing. It's knowing Christ. Putting God's glory above everything else, it's the thing that drives, right? We've met people like that who are like so singularly focused on something, right? And God says, in my kingdom, blessed are those who are just laser focused on me. Laser focused on the things of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Again, this... Country, we, we live in a world that, that does not know peace, right? You just have fun, get on the internet, and you see that there's a lack of peace in our world. Yet, the character trait of those who are citizens of the upside-down kingdom is that we're called to be peacemakers. And again, why? We're called to be peacemakers of both God and man because we understand the peace that has been brought to us. Isaiah 53, 5, but he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And as we understand that, as we make peace with God through the cross, through Jesus' sacrifice, then we can then go and, and be peacemakers in the world around us. And then the cream on the crop, right? The, the best part at the end, if you live out these kingdom traits, right? If you live as a kingdom citizen, then here's this incredible promise for you. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for there's the kingdom of heaven, right? Not just persecuted because you deserved it and you're a jerk, but persecuted for righteousness' sake, right? That, that as we live out as kingdom citizens, in this, as we live upside down kingdom citizens in this world kingdom, here's the promise. It's a guarantee. You will be persecuted. Right, we like to, to take our Bibles and highlight all the promises that are in the Bible, things that we want to get. Well, here's one for you. Right? John 16, 3, in this world you have trouble, but I give you my peace. Right? We'll just take the peace part, but Jesus promised that you will have trouble. As we live out this, then we're going to be in conflict with the world. There will be issues. There will be challenges. But again, as we look through that list quickly, right? and again, I, Barely did justice to any of those. And so I, I, I challenge you to, to dig into to the sermon guide, dig into your Bibles. We try to understand and wrap our mind around what, what do these kingdoms' qualities look like. But again, this isn't a, a, an individual list of things that you need to start working on. Right? Your to-do list. Okay, this week, go and start working on each of these things. Because this isn't our to-do list, right? This is, this is like the fruit of the Spirit. We talked about it. And the fruit of the Spirit, this the beginning of the summer. And the fruit of the Spirit is these, these qualities that naturally start to occur in us as we live in submission to God. As the Holy Spirit works in us, as we learn to yield to Him, these character qualities start to show up. And the, the same is true of the Beatitudes, of these blessed statements, as these, these marks of kingdom citizens. As we surrender to Jesus, as we allow Him to have control, the Holy Spirit will begin to produce these things in us. And day by day, as we daily surrender, as we daily walk in obedience to God, the more and more and more these things will begin to show up in our life as we live under the influence of the Holy Spirit. But, but here's the thing that we have to see, and I, I want you guys to see as we wrap this up, is as, as we look at this list, again, it can be that daunting, and, and 
me and my own personality, my own like flesh. I, I just want to start working. Right? Okay, I need to start working on these things. I need to get better because I don't I don't measure up. And so I just start to make this to-do list of things I need to start working on. And man, I just need to try harder and harder. And yet what we have to come back to is this whole thing of, of as we look at these kingdom qualities, they are not natural to me. Like I was born a citizen of this world kingdom. I was born a sinner set trying to do things my own way. And then Jesus came and he did what I could do. He lived a perfect life and he died for me and he, he offered me this incredible gift of grace and invited me to be a part of his kingdom. And everything I have, every, every part of me, the natural me was built and designed to live in the world kingdom. And so this is unnatural. I need to learn to surrender. And the incredible truth of, of this is, is not only did Jesus define and say, here's what, here's what it means to be a kingdom citizen. He went to the end and said, let me be an example for you. Jesus was the perfect model of a kingdom citizen. Just look at this. Jesus, who is God, became poor in spirit so that we could have an inheritance into his kingdom. Jesus, who is sinless, mourned for sin and bore the punishment so that we could experience true comfort. Jesus, who was in his very nature God, was meek and was rejected so that we could receive an inheritance. Jesus, who truly hungered and thirsted for righteousness, was emptied so that we could be filled. Jesus, who is the righteous judge, who is the definition of mercy, didn't receive mercy, and in fact, he bore the full wrath of God so that we could receive mercy. Jesus, who was pure in heart, was rejected by the Father so that we could see God. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, was punished so that we could have peace. Jesus was persecuted because of righteousness, and we receive the kingdom of God. Jesus is the perfect model, but Jesus is also the fulfillment of what it means to be a kingdom citizen. And the invitation then is for us is to come, to be a part of his kingdom. And it starts with the surrender of saying, Jesus, you are king, you are God. I can't do this. I can't live as a kingdom citizen. Help me. Holy Spirit, take control. I surrender because I can't do this on my own. There's nothing in me good enough. The best that I have to offer is nothing. I am spiritually bankrupt. But God. You see, as we continue working our way through this series, we're going to keep coming back to this point, is that there's this, this upside-down kingdom that we are invited to follow, but it starts with and it ends with our surrender. Our submission to a perfect, holy God. I'm not God. I'm not perfect, but Jesus is. And he came to rescue me. And he's invited me into a life of obedience as I follow him. And so, God, I surrender. And that's the invitation for all of us. Not a to-do list of here, get better so that God will like you. He loves you more than you could ever know. And he's invited you into a relationship with him of following step by step as we surrender. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to wrap up our time together. Would you stand up?
the band is going to come out and they're going to lead us in, in a song that is, is really just a, a response to this, an opportunity for us to declare that and we surrender to a Savior who loves us. Would you pray with me? Father God, we thank you that as we understand what it means to be a kingdom citizen, we, we quickly recognize that we don't measure up, that we don't belong. Because as we're honest with ourselves, we see our sin, we see our faults, we see our failure. We see how, how utterly perfect you are and the gap between us is, is something we can't comprehend. And yet as we're reminded again and again as we come to your word that God, you loved us. And while we were far from you, while we were enemies with you, that you came in pursuit of us. That you died on the cross bearing our sin, that you died for me to rescue me and to invite me into a relationship with you. And so Jesus, help me to surrender right now, today, again and again, and learn to walk in obedience with you as I learn to live out what it means to be a citizen of your kingdom and surrender to you. We ask this in your name, Jesus.